Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Translator 2021. This is a podcast brought to you by RiskPro, where wealth tech and reg tech converge. My name is Julie Mochen, and I'm your host. And hey, it's 2021. Yay! The strange and unusual year of 2020 is behind us. And uh, now we're just charging forward into the new, not necessarily final frontier or even efficient one, but it's, it's a frontier. So let's go. I know some of you are not used to wearing masks. You don't know where the truth lies in the news. The government is doing strange things. But yeah, it's not muscle memory to put a mask on, right? But I'll say this, that in 2021, where the state and federal government are telling us what to wear, let's make it look good. All right. Um, Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But I'm not comfortable in anything I'm wearing at the moment. So it doesn't matter. In this episode, I talked to a financial services industry insider with a hefty 30 years of sales and product management experience in the software as a service industry, as well as Beacon Strategies, Broadridge, ADP, Exiva. He uh, is not a data geek, but he does have a tendency to, to talk sometimes in a way that sort of, well, I'll play the clip, such an instrument is the turbo encapulator. Now, basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes, it is produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance and capacitive directance. He's a Big Ten boy, University of Michigan, and I tend to pronounce his name incorrectly almost every time, and I think he's so used to me doing that that he automatically corrects me, even if I do get it right. Glenn Schreitbrig, Glenn Schreitmiller. We're going to talk to him about things like uh, vertical gardens, drip irrigation, cool financial stuff, short stops, not short stops, <laughs> Wow, I think my brain just tried to normalize the revolutionary Reddit squeeze of GameStop short sellers into something sports related. And I don't even like baseball. But let's think think about this. You're you're stuck in your house. You can't do all of the things that you normally wanted to do, like sporting events, concerts, etc. So you're forced to spend more time on apps. You're forced to spend more time on the internet to have conversations with people that you love, and you end up spending so much time on your phone and on worldwide webs that you've become, you know, that you have this digital life, and it's most of it's gamified. You're betting on sports, maybe a DraftKings or Sportsbook. It's an easy transfer from playing a game online to playing a quote unquote game on a trading site like Robinhood. So you're now using money that maybe you have received because you don't have a job and you're hanging out on the internet. And next thing you know, you're in a subreddit, Wall Street Bets, or you're on Discord and you're noticing, hey, this game looks really fun and it's real money. We'll see how this all plays out. But I, yeah, I totally blame this sort of pandemic-driven, hyper-digital revolution on what is currently taking place in a subsector of the equity markets. Whether it's a paradigm shift or not, I think we can say that things would not have moved as quickly in this direction if people were acting like they normally did and were able to leave their houses, for God's sake. Anyway, it's difficult now to use fundamentals to evaluate 
a company and know, you know, how it's going to move. So how do you know that if you have all of these new traders in the mix, along with the hedge funds that are using options, margin and shorts and manipulating the market like we haven't seen before. The volatility is off the charts. Anyway, that's where RiskPro comes in because it's not using fundamentals to look at a stock or a company. It's using the volatility. And this is obviously a really good thing for our company (laughs) that we had nothing to do with, by the way. So it was actually the month of December when RiskPro's radar caught the volatility in GameStop. It wasn't the end of January when mainstream media was talking about it and everybody was jumping in. And, you know, there's no bottom if if you shorted it. So they're just going full force at pushing these guys out. And the hedge funds, I'm sure, are eating each other. But if anyone's portfolio was monitored by RiskPro, you would have seen the spike in volatility way before it hit the mainstream. And it's similar to a portfolio that I saw volatility in a couple of years back. I think it was like 2018, where I was testing some blue chip stocks. You know, there was energy, consumer cyclicals, some technologies, retail, some high dividend payers, like four or five stocks. 20% of the portfolio was one stock. And that one stock made up 60% of the volatility in the portfolio. And I was working alongside the UI UX teams at RiskPro at the time. And I ran this, like I did a double take. I ran it through a couple of times going, what in the heck? Who would ever think just looking at this portfolio, a basket of individual equities, that Nordstrom would be the most volatile stock in the portfolio that boosted the risk in the entire thing so much, and even though it was only 20% of the total holdings, that the distribution of risk in the portfolio was nearly 60%. So that was obviously a huge eye-opener to me. And so I was able to give that information to an advisor and say, okay, this is how you use this. And whether or not someone has had that Nordstrom in their life for a long time, and they're looking at not selling at all because of capital gains taxes, um, at least they knew, right? They had something to go on of what the future could bring for that portfolio if they didn't diversify out of it. And speaking of capital gains taxes, I wonder what all of these uh, Reddit short squeezers are going to do when they find out how much tax they owe on their gains. Hmm. All right. Hey, I almost forgot I have a guest. (laughs) I have a guest and he's here with me today. His name's Glenn Schreitmuller and it's Miller actually. Glenn Schreitmuller. I like analogies to remember things and that very German name he has, he reminds me Miller is, you know, someone who mills grain and Schreit means like stride. So apparently his ancestors went door to door saying, I can mill your grain. And that's what I think you said to us when you came to us when we were switching from version four of RiskPro into new development for version five of RiskPro, which we're so happy to launch here in Q1 of 2021. We're going to talk about a couple of other things. And Glenn, welcome to the translator. This is when I introduce you, Glenn Schreitmiller. Schreitmiller. You see what I mean? So Glenn is my guest today on the Translator Podcast. And Glenn, I just told you about his history in the financial services industry. 
And he was gracious enough to join us for this podcast for a couple of minutes where we are able to talk about the big announcement that we made about our integrations with InvestNet. So if you could expand on that as well, and we'll just see where this goes. So Glenn, welcome to The Translator. Thank you very much. Super glad to be here. So yeah, can you know the Nordstrom story? Because it was version four, by the way, that I was using at the time where I was so uh, amazed by the volatility that I saw in a portfolio that would you would have never known. I mean, obviously, if you're a CFA and do all the work and you know all the valuations, blah, blah, blah. But just if you're a layman or a regular advisor looking at a portfolio, it just wouldn't strike you as being that quote unquote risky or dangerous. And that's something obviously that RiskPro does that I have not seen anywhere, past or present. It's really gratifying to see that it actually happened in real time. I had the occasion recently, my 90-year-old father sold his home and he's looking to invest some proceeds. And so I just had a, just a normal investor advisor conversation about what his goals were and what was he looking for. And we found an advisor he likes and trusts. And I communicated to them and said, you know, this is what he's looking for. And this is how much risk he's comfortable with. Build him a portfolio. Do what you do. So we just did the quarterly review as he's getting invested in. And I said, why don't you send me over the model? And I didn't tell him what I was going to do, but I absolutely ran it to the RISPRO engine to look at the allocations and see where they were. And, and even it was fun because he's only about 70% invested. Uh, as, he's, as he's investing the funds, which is good practice. You could tell that based on the direction of what they're doing and where he's coming in, they're going to track to come in about 4% over what the amount of risk he said he could handle was. So my father was dumbfounded that I could tell him with 98% certainty that he was going to be taking out a little more risk than he bargained for. And we can correct that now before we ever get into it. It was really, it's really fun to see these software tools that we make make a difference for people in everyday life. So it's really fun to see it. It really mirrors your Nordstrom story when you look at what the construct of some good ETFs and, and some good portfolio construction is. But if you can't tie it to what an investor's goal is to really tie it through to be what it means, then you can still miss on a great portfolio. So you took it back to the advisor. That's so cool. And you totally redeemed yourself in your dad's eyes. <laughs> he thinks I walk on water. So tell me how that then transfers you know, I understand it from the advisor side and the side of the investor. How does that transfer to a big institution or big financial firm? That's the fun part is you get to see it kind of politics as local and seeing to help advisors build their practices and see how they do that for an everyday advisor conversation of, let me take a look at your investments and show you what I would do with them. So we've kind of gone through that and seen that real and not in an adversarial way. This was a, a proactive way of helping a, an existing relationship with just the best. Um, but that same concept applies top down to the enterprise out of everything we've built is we now help enterprises understand patterns of risk in types of business they have, in customer segments they have, in platform segments that they have to really kind of run the business rather than let the business run them. And we, it's always really gratifying to, to help someone look at their book in the mirror and see, that's my book. That's what I'm really, uh, that's what I'm doing for my advisors. And that's what I'm doing for my investors and how close or how off they are. And unfortunately, it's quite often people are startled to see the results of, of how far off they are versus when they think they are in terms of what the investors' expectations and goals are. 
So just break that down, make it easy to understand how that works. You know, what do I actually have to do? Is it difficult? And then after I do it, what are the next steps typically? about the whole risk pro company is it's probably the most empathetic organization I've been in. All of us have used a bunch of tools and been handed a lot of puzzles. I hate it when people give me puzzles as presents. I have enough things I have to solve every day. So we kind of turn that on its ear. When we sit down with people, we approach things with a lot of empathy and a batteries included methodology, which says, give us your information. And actually, we've already gone ahead and done all the heavy lifting and mapping to understand the source, most popular sources of information and, and really gone head over heels with the investment integration we've done. Maybe we'll talk about that today too. But the idea is just give us permission to look at your data and we'll take it from there and show you and analyze your book in your terms based on your parameters and those of your investors and tell you how you're looking. And I don't know anybody that's been able to give me that kind of top-down, full-body diagnostic in my entire financial fintech world. You can try to drive some software, but we're really putting the investor in the, the entire firm enterprise in there in a secure way without literally virtually no effort from the firm to do that. And I think that's groundbreaking. How do you link up to the data? It's just giving permission. We've actually done the work with, in this case with InvestNet, uh, with all the InvestNet variants. And they just push us, securely push us the firm's files using their standard data extracts. And we've got extremely detailed mapping and understanding of those files to be able to represent an entire organization on our platform. So just with that simple authorization, we can take that data and, and spin up Risk Pro with virtually no involvement for that other than maybe specifying a handful of users that you'd like to see it. That includes their full book of business from clients and households to accounts to models to sleeve representations to risk profiles to investment policy statements. We've mapped it all. So there really is nothing for the firm to do to turn that on. We've done it. We take all of that and bring back a polished full user experience with their data in it. Wow. I have a question. If, and let's just use GameStop because it's, you know, it's the news of the day. If GameStop is in a portfolio, that's one thing, right? If GameStop is owned by a mutual fund manager or it's in an ETF or a sleeve, is that volatility caught and shown? So if we're going to see GameStop in an advisor's portfolio models where it's going to surface the most easily, and the advisor is going to be able to understand the amount of volatility that that is contributing the amount of risk that's contributing to the portfolio. And you can see that move because we're updating that data every day. We're taking in new positions to be able to reflect that and, and update and run the risk pro math every day on those books. So you can see the change in the contribution of GameStop to that portfolio's total volatility based on the size of the position. And so while the, the allocation of the position may be the same as its price moves significantly up or significantly down, you're going to see that affect the concentration in the, of risk in the portfolio. So while it might have been a happy-go-lucky portfolio component a month ago, it could have a very different representation this year and, and getting an early warning sign to say, this is a more volatility than I expect in the portfolio so I can take preventative action earlier and avoid a pothole in the road. Is there anything that RiskPro does not analyze, like private placements, Obviously, you know, if you have a bunch of Pokemon cards in your basement, it's not going to analyze those. So what we do in Risk Pro is a couple things. We actually, as part of that batter is included, 
we've got a, a pretty large set of standard information that's got reliable pricing for it. So that's typically going to be equities, fixed income instruments, UITs as the core of that. And we receive uh, tangible price history for that, that all of our math is based on a, a current contiguous year of observations of price data on that. And we use that and a little bit of intelligence of our own to to apply cases where there might be some minor holes. For example, for classes of UITs, we've got logic to make intelligent decisions about pricing UITs more completely as part of the standard offering in RISPRO so that everybody's using the same base price information. And then we've got a hierarchy of enabling firms to assign um, alternative security proxies for cases where there's less price visibility available. So that may be an alt, that may be a variable annuity, with a complex sub-account structure that might be, could be your coins in your basement, your Pokemon cards. So you find the firm's got to decide something that it's comfortable as an as a alternative asset for uh, representation. Hey, let's, let's get off of the financial services industry. Take that hat off and put your hydroponic vertical garden hat because I, just so the listeners know, that I am no longer on Facebook. So when I look for someone, I have to sort of scan the, the internet, which I do anyway. I'm kind of creepy that way. But I found a Pinterest thing of a vertical garden on a wall, and I think it was connected to you somehow. And so that got me excited about doing the same thing, but I need to know how to do it in a way that um, it's efficient and it works. Anybody can do it. It's really easy. So I actually made a gutter garden is what I made. I actually built a staircase and a little unused space on the side of my house and built some stair risers out of some womanized wood that I painted to match my house. And I installed some regular residential gutters that I bought at Home Depot and filled them with cocoa mulch that I got at a hydroponic store because it's super neutral and super moisture absorbent. Wait, what's cocoa? coconut husks. They make, okay. It looks like um, like a big barrel, bale of ramen noodles and it expands exponentially in terms of water retention. And then I put in uh, some drip gardening, some drip tube gardening in that I tied to a timer and my regular garden hose. And I uh, ran the tubes through the gutter gardens and I had an, a self-watering contained garden that took advantage of all the southern exposure I had on the side of my house, which was great. So I started all my plants there. So I had salad greens, every variety and every microgreen and just keep cranking them up. The first time I was trying to understand what you were saying, when you said gutter garden, I thought the water actually came from the rain, from the gutter water. I could have done no. that. I didn't go that far. But all right. you'd, have kind of, you'd have to kind of put like a carburetor or some kind of Venturi tube to slow the water. That's the part I didn't get. I was like, how is he not like overdoing it? But you're saying you hooked up those sort of black seeping hoses in, yep. in the soil and then planted and used gutters to plant the plants? Yeah, the gutters oh, were yeah. the pots. So it's perfect for, for row, rows of things. They're great for row seedlings. You can do radishes. You couldn't really do carrots because they would bottom out the gutter. Yeah. But any kind of leafy things of, of, that you would normally see in a garden row, they're great because there's really no weeding to do. I actually covered them with plastic wrap to start them. Right, for the whole germination thing. Like your name, Glenn Germinator. Bright Miller. Thank you so much. I want to talk to you a lot more about micro gardens. And we'll do that again when we have you back. Thank you very much. I'm super 
excited to edit this and get it out the door for the world to hear because we're right up against this launch and I want every firm be able to have the ability to see what lies beneath as far as risk goes and to achieve and maintain perpetual suitability. This is where I want to say um, stay classy San Diego, but it's not my line and it's not appropriate, but I love it. Please look for all of the links of everything you heard in this podcast on the podcast site, The Translator by Risk Pro. If there's something you can't find, please reach out to me and I will be more than happy to talk to you. If you would like to be a guest on my podcast, I would love to talk to you about that as well. Have a great day. This recording has been prepared and made available by RiskPro to be used for information purposes only. RiskPro is an investment risk profiling and portfolio construction software as a service platform developed by ProTools LLC. The information contained herein, including any expression of opinion, has been obtained from or is based on sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy or completeness is not guaranteed and is subject to change without notice. Any expressions of opinions reflect the views of the speakers and are not necessarily those of Pro Tools LLC or its affiliates. Pro Tools does not provide investment tax or legal advice. Investors should consult their financial, tax, or legal professionals before investing. This secret Easter egg message is... For Julian Lopatic, my oldest son, today, February 3rd, I almost said 2nd, 2021 is his 31st birthday. Happy birthday, Julian. Looking forward to your wedding and I'm looking forward to Risk Pro being able to analyze the volatility of your Pokemon cards someday so that when you and your beautiful wife-to-be Mary are married and have little ones, they know when the best time is to trade. Hee <laughs> hee. I love you.